This is the Humanist Report with Mike Figueredo. This podcast is sponsored by viewers like you on Patreon through PayPal donations with YouTube memberships and Twitch subscriptions. To support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash humanist report or become a member by clicking the join button underneath any one of our videos on YouTube. Members get early access to most videos and get to participate in monthly Zoom hangouts with Mike. Here's the biggest stories we talked about this week on The Humanist Report. Enjoy the show. Last March, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed the Don't Say Gay Bill into law, which banned classroom discussions about sexuality and gender identity for grades K through 3. Now, the problem with the law, aside from it being inherently discriminatory against LGBTQ plus people, is that it was very vaguely written and the parameters were never actually outlined by the legislature or the governor, which led to outright discriminatory outcomes for counties who were trying to be cautious and not violate the law. For example, officials in Orange County reported warn teachers to remove photographs of their same-sex spouses just to be safe, just to make sure that they complied with the law. But the question is, what actually is and isn't appropriate under these weird circumstances? Because if you reference a student's mommy and daddy, well, you're technically using gendered words to reference sexuality because, believe it or not, heterosexuals and cisgender people also have sexualities and gender identities. But nobody really knew what was and wasn't illegal, but they had an idea that the goal, obviously, was to censor anything related to LGBTQ plus people. But fast forward to April of this year, and, well, Don't Say Gay was expanded to all K-12 through grades. And this came after DeSantis initially defended the law because it was narrow in its scope. Let's watch. For who? For, for grades pre-K through three. So five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds. And um, the idea that you wouldn't be honest about that and tell people what it actually says, it's why people don't trust people like you because you peddle false narratives. Give a fascist an inch and they will take a mile. But now, the Don't Say Gay law has been expanded by Florida's Board of Education, and the procedural notice period required for regulatory changes like this is seemingly over since a fifth grade teacher is now under investigation by the Florida Department of Education, all because she showed her students a Disney movie. Yeah, so as Tallahassee reports, at a Hernando County School Board meeting Tuesday, fifth grade teacher Jenna Barbie alleges school board member Shannon Rodriguez reported her to the Department of Education for showing her students Disney's 2022 movie, Strange World. It's the first Disney movie with an out gay character. Hernando County School District confirmed a fifth grade teacher is being investigated for showing Strange World and that a parent complained to the principal about the movie not being appropriate for students. Rodriguez, who was elected to the school board last fall, was endorsed by conservative parents' rights group Moms for Liberty. In her short tenure, she has argued that there is smut and porn on schools' library shelves and has asked for books to be removed, according to Suncoast News. Yeah, she sounds like a very uh, sane and reasonable school board member who should definitely be in that position. Now, I've never heard of this movie, but I looked it up, uh, watched the trailer for it, and it looks like every other Disney cartoon or DreamWorks cartoon. There's nothing outwardly gay about it. It's about a bunch of cartoon characters who take a spaceship to explore an alien planet. But because apparently one of the characters, he references a crush that he has on a male character, well, that apparently makes it some sort of LGBTQ plus pride piece. 
it's just, it's so insane. Like the mere inclusion of a gay person, that makes it bad for conservatives and possibly illegal in the state of Florida. Now, the reason why the teacher thought that it was okay to play this movie, despite the existence of a gay character, was because every single one of her students brought in signed permission slips from parents and they okayed their child watching, uh, their children, I should say, watching PG-rated movies. Now, this is a first-year teacher, and she said that administrators told her that the main approval method for movies, if she wanted to show one, was to get that permission slip signed by every single parent. And unless there's no objections raised, you can play these movies. There's no Christian court currently to submit approval to, at least yet in Florida. So she thought that it was fine since not only the parents signed the permission slips, but they cited no specific objections. So she talked about how there was one parent who wrote on the permission slip that they don't want their child to watch the Buzz Lightyear movie. But that child moved away, right? So she didn't play that movie, by the way. She respected the desires of these parents. Furthermore, the teacher... She thought it was appropriate to play this movie because as she's going to explain in this TikTok that we're about to watch from her, the movie itself was relevant. She wasn't trying to indoctrinate children into LGBTQ plusism. She played the movie because it was related to the course material. Let's listen. So I chose this movie because it relates to our curriculum. Our unit at the time was earth science and ecosystems and how they interact. Plants, humans, animals. So this movie is perfect. My thought process was what a better way to showcase all these standards, along with huge lessons of overcoming differences, spreading kindness, communication, and chasing your dreams. A lot of which were in our, are in our social emotional Florida best standards as well. Is a character in the movie LGBTQ? Absolutely. Is that why I showed it? No, I have a lot of fifth grade students who have come to me this year long before showing this movie talking about how they're part of that community as well. And it's not a big deal to me. So I just said, okay, that's awesome. Do you, um, not pushing anything, just being accepting. That's what I do. Um, does that have anything to do with why I showed it? Not in the slightest. The LGBTQ aspect, uh, of the movie, they're harmless. It's just a talked about crush and it's only a couple lines in total scene time of just over two minutes. The parents in the movie kiss a lot <laughs> and that wasn't even brought up and that's the issue. I also want to bring up a fact that none of my students cared or batted an eye. They didn't even know this was a big deal until the board member and the state made it a big deal. They're using it against me, saying they're protecting the children and it's for their safety. But what is this actually showing them? Their teacher showed a movie to help them connect to our curriculum and learn some valuable life lessons. But the minor representations that have nothing to do with the movie are such a big deal that now admin is in their room, pulling their teacher out, calling the students one by one down to the office to interrogate them in the middle of my lessons. And now there is an investigator from the Florida Department of Education coming to pull my students out of class again to investigate them individually. And by the way, they don't even have to have a signed parent permission slip for that. Uh, this investigator is allowed to come and pull them out and a letter got sent home to some of the students, but I doubt a lot of my parents are even gonna get it. And if they don't call and object, the interrogator is allowed to just pull them out. Do you know the trauma that that is going to cause to some of my students? They are fifth graders. They, some of them can barely come up and have a conversation with me and are just getting comfortable with me. And now an investigator is allowed to come and interrogate them. Are you kidding me? The outrage 
I mean, conservatives want you to think that that perfectly pleasant person is a groomer now. But because she played a Disney movie that was relevant to the lesson, because the movie is about exploring a planet, looking at the flora and fauna, and they were learning about Earth science and whatnot, well, she got penalized for it. She's being investigated for it. And also, she wanted to play the movie because she wanted to give the kids a break because they were doing standardized testing. I mean, we shouldn't even have to justify it, right? We shouldn't have to explain why it's okay for a teacher to play a fucking PG-rated Disney movie, especially after the kids had parental permission slips signed. But not only is she now being investigated, but every single student is being pulled out of the classroom and being interrogated, essentially, about the inappropriate content that they were subjected to. This is fucking insane, okay? This is not a healthy learning environment, and it is brazenly discriminatory against LGBTQ plus people, and it's unconstitutional. But this is happening in the state of Florida because Ron DeSantis has dictated that everyone has to abide by his will. He has determined for all parents what is and isn't appropriate for the kids of Florida. He also removed an African-American Studies AP course. Books have been pulled from shelves. And in true Orwellian fashion, Ron DeSantis has declared that Florida is the freest state in the country. Yeah, and also war is peace and freedom is slavery, according to Ron DeSantis. Now, I'm going to link you to the full TikTok posted by this teacher. It's too long to watch all of it on this show. It's about six minutes long. So um, I'd highly recommend that you watch it because you can tell just by that six minutes that this teacher is a very wholesome person and she genuinely cares about her students and she's mot motivated by altruism. So the fact that she's now being investigated as if she's some sort of a criminal who's a danger to children is genuinely just insane. Now, she's going to explain here that if she knew that this film would have posed a problem or that a parent would have objected to it, she wouldn't have played the film. And with this conversation that she had with the school board member who turned her in, the school board member, according to her account, seemingly realized that, oh, I didn't actually have to turn her in. I could have just talked to her and she would have heeded what I had to say and not played the fucking movie. But let's listen to her uh, retell the conversation. That school board member is currently on a rampage to get rid of every form of representation out of our schools. She even spent days this past week going to all the high schools to get rid of anything that had to do with representation whatsoever. She even had admin escort her to a teacher's classroom that had a sticker of a black hand and a white hand holding hands and the white hand had a different color fingernail for every finger. So the school board member called the Department of Education on me for indoctrination before ever coming to our school to talk with me or admin about the situation. When she did come to our school, she came as a school board member and our principal said, no, you can come as a concerned parent, but then you need to schedule a meeting. So she did. She came and later that day and admin was in and out of my room, pulled me out, blah, 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 blah. and we had a meeting and I understood her perspective that, okay, she really doesn't want this shown at her house. I I never saw that perspective before, so I didn't think it was a big deal. But seeing how upset she was, I told her, I, I understand my lesson. That's that. But come to find out, she had already reported me and there was nothing she can do about it. So it seemed like the school board member didn't realize that she could just talk to the teacher and maybe she'd understand. But instead, she assumed that this teacher was a bad person trying to indoctrinate kids and turned her in before she even vocalized her objections about the fucking movie. This is unhinged behavior. This is not healthy behavior. This is instability. This is 
unhinged nonsense. And first of all, fuck this school board member because this idiot thinks that you can indoctrinate children into a particular sexual identity or gender identity, but that's not the way that it works. We've had this conversation for decades now, and if you don't know, then you're just stupid. It's not a choice. If you don't believe me, test it out for yourself. Try to live as a gender that you don't identify with or sleep with someone of the same sex. And if you don't like it, then you're proving that you can't be indoctrinated into it. It's not like an acquired taste. You are who you are. These things are innate. But the bigger issue also is that there are LGBTQ plus students who are going to feel as if they are inferior to their cis and straight peers because of this law. Because if the mere mention of homosexuality for two fucking minutes in a movie triggers an investigation and interrogation of every single student, I mean, imagine how degrading this must feel if you are a gay student. Imagine being a trans student feeling like public enemy number one if your identity gets out. Like, what if you tell your friend that you're trans and then you have a fight with your friend and then they basically have your life in their hands that can turn you in? It's just, it's so sad. This isn't an environment that's conducive to learning, even for cis and straight kids as well. It's just a toxic environment that Ron DeSantis has cultivated all throughout Florida. But last year, when we warned people about the dangers of the Don't Say Gay law and how it would inevitably devolve into an LGBTQ plus witch hunt, everyone accused us at the time of being hyperbolic. And now we're calling the GOP's anti-trans witch hunt a genocide and we're being accused of hyperbole again. But it's always been this way. We've always been accused of being too emotional, too hysterical, chicken little. Even in the 80s, during the AIDS crisis, gays pleaded with the Reagan administration to take that seriously, but they were literally laughed off. They were literally laughed off as they were dying. So what I want to say to everyone is maybe listen to LGBTQ plus people's warnings for once before it's too late again. Florida has been ground zero for anti-LGBTQ plus legislation, and even though it feels like things can possibly get worse in the state for LGBTQ plus people, it absolutely can, and unfortunately it will very soon thanks to multiple new anti-LGBTQ plus bills that Ron DeSantis just signed into law as of today. Two of them actually take effect immediately, and the other two are slated to take effect on July 1st. Now, 2023 has already been a record-breaking year for anti-LGBTQ plus legislation. In fact, the AC CLU has mapped a total of 474 bills at the time that I record this video. But out of all of these states, Florida has just produced some of the harshest, most draconian laws that literally threaten trans existence. And we're going to go through all of them one by one because all of these bills collectively they're just going to make it difficult for trans people to exist in this state, which is going to force many of them to flee the state. So these are the laws in question, courtesy of trans researcher and journalist Aaron Reed, who breaks it down. There's HB 1521, a trans bathroom ban. There's HB 1061, an expansion of the Don't Say Gay law to grades 12 and under. There's SB 254, a ban on gender-affirming care for trans youth, and also heavy restrictions on gender-affirming care for trans adults that will make it nearly impossible for them to exist as trans people and last but certainly not least there is sb 1438 which is a new obscenity law that targets drag shows and it effectively bans them while not explicitly saying that drag shows can't exist but we'll break it down we'll talk about it now let's start with the most obvious i'm sure that you're already familiar with the don't say gay law 
but it has been expanded now, or it will be expanded as of July 1st. So originally the law applied to grades K through three, now it's gonna apply to K through 12. And basically this law is going to censor all discussions in the classroom related to sexuality and gender identity. Meaning that teachers probably aren't going to be allowed to use the preferred pronouns of their students, on top of that, GSAs, which are gay straight alliances, really crucial resources for LGBTQ plus youth, probably won't be allowed to exist because of this law's expansion. And on top of that, LGBTQ plus students are likely going to be forced into the closet. I don't know how they're going to be able to transition in high school, given these restrictions on queer speech. And on Monday, we talked about a Florida teacher who is under investigation for showing her fifth grade classroom a Disney movie that features a homosexual character. Now, I was under the assumption that the investigation into her was triggered because she violated the newly expanded version of Don't Say Gay. And news outlets also made this assumption as well. But that was an incorrect assumption because the expansion doesn't even take effect until July 1st, meaning the following school year. So what that tells us is that this teacher literally did not even break Florida law, yet she's still under investigation and her students are being grilled. So if that insanity can take place before the law even went into effect, imagine how bad it's going to get after these bigots are emboldened by the weight of Florida law. I mean, it's gonna be insane. Anyone who is suspected of being LGBTQ plus will probably be the targets of witch hunts in Florida. It's just gonna get really bad. So you already know about that, but let's move on to the other laws that Ron DeSantis signed. So I'm going to talk about the drag queen ban. It is an effective ban. It's not an outright ban. And the way that they do this is they're using obscenity laws to basically penalize businesses that host family friendly drag shows. As CBS Miami reported last month, the law would allow the state to revoke the food and beverage licenses of businesses that admit children to adult performances, adult classified by the state, by the way. The DeSantis administration has moved to pull the license of a Miami hotel that hosted a Christmas drag show alleging children were present during, quote, lewd displays. Now, to be clear, there was nothing lewd about the drag show, but since the right has characterized any and all forms of LGBTQ plus entertainment as porn, well, that's what they're saying. They're saying basically it was lewd because there were men who were dressing up as women. Yeah. Now, the law is already having a chilling effect on free speech in the state of Florida because it led to one Pride event being canceled in anticipation of this being signed into law, in particular, the Port St. Lucie Pride Parade and other traditionally family friendly Pride events are now just having to restrict their events to ages 21 plus. I mean, Pride, sure, there were some adult centric events, but as it got more mainstreamed over the years, there were more family friendly events as, you know, society realizes that this is a necessity because you have queer families who attend these events. But DeSantis is unilaterally pushing LGBTQ plus people back into the closet and is stripping away the mainstream status of these pride events. But it gets worse, believe it or not, because I want to talk about the bathroom bill, because this is a piece of legislation that was so vaguely worded and far reaching that I can't see 
how this doesn't result in genital inspections of trans people. Aaron explains Bill 1521 will effectively give second-class citizen status to transgender people in Florida. The wording of the bill states that if a cisgender person is in the bathroom with a transgender person, an employee can tell the transgender person to leave. Should the transgender person not leave immediately for any reason, they will be charged with criminal trespass, which can carry sentences of up to one year in jail, likely a jail of the wrong gender identity, which will put trans people in immense danger of sexual assault. She continues, while the provisions do not ban all bathroom usage, they cast a wide net over an alarming number of locations that would fall under the definition of public in the bill. This includes all buildings owned or leased by any governmental entity, educational institutions spanning from elementary schools to private colleges and universities, numerous hospitals owned by universities, many sports arenas, convention centers, city parks, beaches, airports, and more. So in other words, let's say you are a trans professor and one of the students realizes that you're trans because perhaps you don't pass. Well, they can unilaterally get you jailed if you refuse to leave because let's say you want to leave because you're uncomfortable too. But the problem is that it's an emergency and you have to go. You can go to jail now because of this law. And what makes it even more cruel is the fact that it uses language to erase trans existence. So even if you changed your birth certificate, and your driver's license, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the text, as you can see here, specifically defines sex as what you were assigned at birth. So how else can you prove that you're trans or cis for that matter, unless you are subjected to a genital inspection? Like how else do you facilitate this law? How do you, how do you maintain compliance with the law unless you look at somebody's genitals? I mean, what if a cis person mistakes another cis person as trans? This can affect them too. And even if they went by the gender on someone's driver's license to determine eligibility for a fucking bathroom, I mean, trans people shouldn't have to be forced to provide documentation to take a fucking piss or a shit. But the law isn't even that lenient. It's a law that is based on antiquated gender norms that is going to literally legalize harassment against trans people by cis people who don't want them in their space. It's not only cruel, but it's brazenly unconstitutional. And let's say that the ACLU sues and this gets appealed all, all the way to the Supreme Court. Who do you think the court's gonna side with? They're gonna allow for this discrimination to legally continue. It is just a nightmare scenario. And again, it's just Florida criminalizing more elements of trans existence, but it gets even worse. As Aaron Reed explains again, one of the most problematic of those bills is a ban on most gender affirming care for transgender adults. Senate Bill 254 bans gender affirming care for trans youth and bans nurse practitioners from providing gender affirming care to trans adults. Spectrum Health, a provider in Florida, has indicated in an exclusive interview with Aaron in the morning that up to 80% of all gender care in the state is provided by nurse practitioners, a statistic in line with information provided by Planned Parenthood. Already, people are losing access to medication in Florida, and Lena Dunn of Spectrum Health has stated that transgender people are having appointments canceled by medical organizations around the state, and this is because, unlike the bathroom ban which goes into effect on July 1st, SB 254 has an immediate effective date. Due to penalties provided by SB 254, many medical providers have determined they can no longer provide that care. So this is something that is happening in a supposedly free country. I don't even know what to say about this. We're seeing laws so draconian that they are similar to 
the restrictions on LGBTQ plus people that we see in authoritarian regimes. It's just deeply theocratic and it's unconstitutional, but this is happening regardless. And as a direct result of this law, trans youth are likely going to be forced to detransition, which we all know is going to lead to increased suicidal ideation. So how many kids are going to die as a result of them being denied access to gender affirming care? How many adults are going to be forced to detransition because now gender affirming care, even for them, is being heavily restricted? I mean, think about this. If nurse practitioners provide 80% of gender affirming care, this means that many trans adults they're just not going to have access to gender affirming care and as a result the state is effectively forcing them to to detransition i mean you don't have to ban it to get the same result they're trying to regulate trans people out of existence and this takes effect right now immediately it's the same strategy that we saw uh, republicans use to curtail abortions before roe v wade was struck down you don't have to just straight up ban abortions to get the same result. You can effectively regulate something that you don't like out of existence. And that's what they're doing now when it comes to gender affirming care for adults and children. They're just banning it for children and for adults. They're imposing more restrictions because they know that that probably wouldn't hold up to legal scrutiny. So that's what they're doing. Most Floridians who are adults probably are going to really struggle now to get access to gender affirming care because of this. Little by little, they are totally criminalizing the existence of trans people in Florida. An entire group of people are being subjected to cruel laws that literally legalize discrimination against them and restrict their access to life-saving care that they need. We're witnessing a fascist state perform a slow-moving genocide against a vulnerable group of people, and it's time for everyone else to wake up and acknowledge the gravity of the situation. This is very serious. It's time to sound the alarms. I don't even know what to say about this. It, it's like he went on a anti-LGBTQ plus marathon in Florida today. And I desperately want to recommend that anyone who still lives in the state to get out. But I mean, it's easier said than done, right? I mean, moving takes a lot of money, especially if you're moving out of state. It requires money. It requires uh, you to find new employment new housing. It's not that easy to just up and leave. But unfortunately, we're to the point where a lot of trans people in Florida don't even have the choice. Merely existing in Florida is becoming increasingly difficult, if not impossible. So consider helping a trans person that you know in Florida leave. I mean, on a massive scale, I don't know how we facilitate getting trans people out of Florida, but we can help on an individual basis. For example, my friend Ashley, she's an amazing person and she lives in Florida and she's a trans person and she deserves better. So she organized a GoFundMe for herself so she can escape. And she's just, I mean, she's an amazing person. She's an absolute sweetheart and she deserves a good life. Also her cash app and Venmo is ashyslashy22. So if you can, please consider sending her a couple of bucks and she was kind enough to recommend that other trans people share their GoFundMes as well, which led me to find Sarah's GoFundMe, who is trying to help her and her trans husband get out. So I'll link to both of these GoFundMes down below or consider helping out a trans person that you know personally get out of Florida. We can't, again, realistically get every single trans person out of these red states using GoFundMe. But again, at the individual level, we can make a quick difference in someone's life by throwing them a couple of bucks. So at the macro level, however, we're going to have to come up with solutions because this is not sustainable. Trans people have to be able to exist. 
but more states are making it very, very difficult for that to happen. So do what you can to help out your trans friends. But meanwhile, there needs to be a plan to get trans people out of these red states because it's just no longer safe in these states for them. So I know that I am a little bit late to the party on this particular story, but I couldn't pass it up because it's just that good. So we're going to talk about Texas Republican lawmaker Brian Slayton. He is one of the party's loudest crusaders against LGBTQ plus people, especially drag queens, because he claims that they pose a danger to children. In fact, in March, he announced new legislation banning all family friendly drag shows, calling the performances, quote, erotic while saying the state has a duty to protect kids from being sexually exploited and the HB 4129 that's his bill is the most comprehensive bill to stop the sexualization of kids by these performances now that bill was a blanket ban on all family-friendly drag shows it didn't matter what the context was it didn't matter if the parents say that my kids can watch these drag shows drag queen story hour he wanted to unilaterally dictate what was and wasn't appropriate for all families under the pretense of protecting kids in texas now that wasn't the first time that he spoke out against drag shows because back in last june he reacted to the drag your kids to pride day event in dallas where a bunch of right-wingers were up in arms over that show where drag performers walked down the catwalk and they danced and they played musical chairs and ate ice cream but there was a sign that said it's not gonna lick itself and that led to allegations especially that this was a grooming event by drag queens come to find out however that the venue paid for cauldron ice cream to cater the event whose catchphrase is you guessed it it's not gonna lick itself and even after right-wingers were told that this was the catchphrase of an ice cream parlor well they didn't acknowledge it and still claimed that this was a grooming event because why let the truth get in the way of a good narrative? But Slayton thought that that event was beyond the pale, and in response to that drag show in particular, he announced his intentions to pen a bill that he ended up doing, by the way, in March of this year, that banned all drag shows, saying, drag shows are no place for a child. And he added, the events of this past weekend were horrifying and show a disturbing trend in which perverted adults are obsessed with sexualizing young children. Now, in that same thread, he even agreed that there should be a national ban on family-friendly drag shows. And we're not even scratching the surface here. He also wanted to give tax cuts specifically to heterosexual couples while excluding same-sex couples. If these heterosexual couples had kids, they would get a particular tax break that homosexual couples, even if they had kids, wouldn't be allowed access to, which is weird. On top of that, he wants to punish women who get abortions with the death penalty. So this is somebody who likes to purport to be family values and very, very conservative. He's a trad con. Now, the background here is very important. We need to learn about him because I think that there is a particular trend that we're seeing here. The loudest, most vociferous, ostensibly family values Republicans who claim to care deeply about kids and protecting young people who are vulnerable always turn out to be uh, the bad guys here. And that's because, my friends, every single accusation is a confession. I've said this once, I'll say it again. Those who scream the loudest usually have some skeletons in their closet 
of their own. And um, this guy is no different because this LGBTQ nation reports an internal complaint last month filed with the Texas legislature's House General Investigating Committee alleges that Slayton contacted an unnamed aide after 10 p.m. on Friday, March 31st, to invite her to his condo in Austin. Slayton allegedly drank alcohol with the 19-year-old aide, giving her a large rum and coke and refilling it twice. In Texas, providing alcohol to a minor is a misdemeanor punishable by a $4,000 maximum fine and up to a year in jail. The report said that the aide was so drunk that she couldn't effectively consent to intercourse and could not indicate whether it was welcome or unwelcome. He and the aide had unprotected sex, and he drove her home after midnight. She got Plan B at a drugstore to prevent pregnancy, a medication that Slayton opposes. After the meetup, Slayton allegedly showed the aide fake emails which purported to know details of their late-night meeting. These emails were a sort of loyalty test, the complaint said, and Slayton alleged told the aide not to discuss what happened with anyone. So this man, who accused all drag queens of being predators who preyed on children, is a predator himself. Do you think that he didn't realize what he was doing when he gave this teenager so much alcohol that she couldn't possibly consent? I mean, this is disgusting behavior. This is predatory. He knows what he's doing. This is a 45-year-old man getting a 19-year-old drunk, a teenager drunk, to where... He can get her in a position to where she's vulnerable and he could take advantage uh, advantage of her. And yet he's saying that LGBTQ plus people, drag queens in particular, well, they are uh, they're the ones who we should be worried about. Yeah, this isn't an isolated incident, by the way, because there's also reports that he gave that same aid alcohol before. And he also gave alcohol to another person who's under the age of 21. And on top of that, the Texas Tribune reports that there were other complaints about his conduct by three Capitol employees and four representatives. That's a lot of people who are saying this man very clearly is inappropriate. His conduct is bad he shouldn't be here. Now, to add insult to injury, the bipartisan committee that investigated him, it contained three Republicans and two Democrats, they also accused him of obstructing their investigation because he was trying to allegedly intimidate the witnesses. That's their words. They said intimidation. Now, this man is very clearly a danger, not just to young people, but his peers as well. But thankfully, the story has a happy ending because it all culminated in this. The Texas House unanimously voted to expel Brian Slayton on Tuesday, one day after the Roy City Republican submitted his resignation after an internal investigation determined that he had sex with a 19-year-old aide after getting her drunk. After a solemn, sometimes angry and tearful recounting of Slayton's graphic and offensive behavior, the House House voted 147 to 0 for expulsion, making Slayton the first member of the Texas legislature to be removed from office since 1927. You love to see it. Now, this story is surprising, not necessarily because of these allegations. I mean, this is not the first trad con to be accused of grooming or sexual impropriety after, you know, going on this crusade against queer people. What's surprising is that Republicans actually held one of their own accountable. That to me, is honestly shocking. And he was expelled unanimously, but maybe he made it easier for them by resigning a day before. But I do want to play a portion of Democratic Representative Ann Johnson's speech. This was uh, what she said before they made the vote, because I think that she really put it best. It is important for us to make sure that the young adults who found themselves in his apartment at Brian Slayton making, you never were and are not the problem. He is. 
Our report shows that Brian Slayton violated various provisions of our House rules and various Texas laws. And now we have seen Brian Slayton's resignation letter. We can see where the machine will go next. He's not going to play the reformed man who's atoning for his sins. He's all of a sudden remembered that he has that young family back at home. He doesn't even acknowledge the teenage staffer exists. Now that the report has been released and it has become public, she is of no benefit to him. She goes from special to discarded. In my legal work, I have spent years working on behalf of victims of sexual abuse and exploitation. We fear that dark alley, the idea of the perpetrator there with a gun or a knife, but it is this type of man that steals innocence. It is this man, not worthy of the position of trust, much less power. This is the man that stains the institution so many of us honor. And this is the man that has left us with no choice to take the vote that we have to take today. Very well said. I mean, this man is a fucking monster. As he's demonizing LGBTQ plus people and accusing them of predatory behavior, preying on children, he himself is preying on young girls, getting them drunk enough to take advantage of them so that way they can't even consent they're so drunk. That is what predatory behavior looks like. That is what grooming looks like. It's a form of deflection, I guess, where they are super loud about queer people when that's just them hoping that we all don't look at them, right? That's them saying, hey, look over over there, not over here. I mean, those that scream the loudest about LGBTQ plus people, they usually do have skeletons in their closets. So there's really not much left to say about this story because I think that the details speak for itself. But I'll end by restating the very important point that I've made multiple times already throughout this video, but I'm gonna say it again because it's that crucial. Every accusation is a confession. Never forget that. Last week, Elon Musk took a massive L, according to his own sycophants, when he did the unthinkable by naming Linda Yaccarino as the new CEO of Twitter, who is supposedly going to help him transform the platform into X, the everything app, which I'm sure the process for that transformation is going to go very smoothly and be welcomed by every single person on the app. Now, if you're a normal person whose brain hasn't been rotted by right-wing politics, you probably view Linda with skepticism, considering that she's a former NBC Universal executive and right-wing hack appointed by the Trump administration to lead the World Economic Forum. And she also follows far-right figures on Twitter, including stochastic terrorist libs of TikTok. And she's even liked tweets doubting the integrity of the 2020 election, which pretty much tells you everything that you need to know about her. So to the average person, this is change on the outside, continuity on the inside. But to right-wingers, this is proof that Elon Musk is turning Twitter woke. I wish I were kidding about that. For example, one of the most popular responses to Musk's announcement came from none other than Cat Turd 2, who responded writing, Elon Musk, the woke mind virus is a threat to the world. Also, Elon Musk, I just hired a far left loon deeply infected with the woke mind virus to run Twitter. Twitter 2.0 was fun while it lasted. Get ready for it to suck again. Now, I get it. Cat Turd 2 will never be pleased by anything or anyone, but he wasn't alone here in vocalizing his trepidation 
information about this new CEO because YouTuber The Quivering, excuse me, The Quartering, also decided to speak up about this. And this is somebody who is a fan of Twitter. He basically begged Elon Musk to not step down from Twitter when he ran his poll. But here's what he had to say about the new Twitter CEO. I cannot believe he hired this broad. Like, maybe the absolute worst possible. I mean, why not just hire Jack again? Like, this is like, a, I mean, this is a terrible CEO to hire in all senses of the word. You want to bring this person on to help you increase ad revenue and you want her to work advertising deals? Fine. But as the CEO, that's the person that sets the vision for a company. That's the person that, you know, uh, is actually, by the way, she's still in the WEF. I mean, this is insane. And I saw earlier this morning, Rip Twitter was was trending. I mean, this is this is a disastrous hire for Elon Musk. Another huge misstep uh, in his leadership at Twitter. I don't know. I can't possibly think of a single reason why he would have hired this person if everything he said about the WEF, about globalist, about you know the poke, about masks. If that was all the truth, then I don't know a single reason. Uh, that that you would hire this person at all. It's it's appalling. So there's a lot of outrage about her association with the World Economic Forum and also concerns that she will be in favor of censorship. And as the Daily Beast explains, quote, people would have been much happier if it was not a WEF, UN, or WHO member. But here we are, a pussyhat WEF member that promotes vaccine propaganda, masking, and lockdowns. One right-wing Twitter user with over a quarter of a million followers wrote, which had accumulated over 3,000 likes. Quote, how fucking lovely. Former Newsmax host Emerald Robinson likewise wrote Rip Twitter. Over on Donald Trump's Truth Social site, the platform sent out a news notification after Musk's hiring decision was made public around noon with an attached story that attempted to expose Yaccarino's, quote, woke ideology. Seems like someone who definitely won't cave to woke corporate censors, Truth Social communication staffer Matthias Wagner said. Far-right radio host Stu Peters, in a text message to the Daily Beast, accused Yaccarino of being close to a worldwide corporate-run election theft syndicate, which he said is evidence that Musk's claim to hold freedom of speech as his top priority is a lie. So that was a small sample of the outrage to Elon Musk naming this new CEO. But what's amazing to me is that they're still not entirely sure if Elon Musk actually cares about free speech, as if there's like some sort of a question there. You don't have to wonder anymore. He does not care about free speech. Twitter is literally censoring a documentary critical of India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi after they pressured him to do so. And most recently, he's censoring tweets at the behest of Turkey's far-right government to suppress Erdogan's opposition. And he's failed so miserably at protecting free speech that some of the worst people are even pointing out that maybe he should try to do better. For example, insufferable liberal Matty Iglesias pointed out the Turkish government asked Twitter to censor its opponents right before an election and Elon Musk complied should generate some interesting Twitter files reporting. Now, Elon Musk actually responded to that saying, did your brain fall out of your head, Iglesias? The choice is to have Twitter throttled in its entirety or limit access to some tweets. Which one do you want? Hmm, take a principled stance to protect free speech or censor content at the behest of the Turkish government and lose ad revenue in Turkey. Hmm, we'll go with option B. 
That's what Elon Musk did. And someone who should theoretically be on Elon's side, former NBA player turned Republican Party shill and as Cantor Freedom, sharply denounced Elon Musk's decision to cave to the Turkish government, saying he doesn't want to hear Elon Musk talk about freedom of speech ever again. And I don't know if there's a single issue that NS Cantor and I agree on, but as a Turkish American, he knows that the Turkish government is deeply authoritarian and censorious. So he's right to be angry with Elon Musk here, even if politically they probably agree on everything else. I mean, Elon Musk, when he took over Twitter, said that free speech would be a priority. But yet, anytime he's had the opportunity to put his support for free speech to the test, he has failed every single time. But the problem is that most of Elon Musk's sycophants still haven't realized that he was full of shit and they're still wondering, oh, well, maybe with this move, he doesn't actually support free speech. He doesn't support free speech, but thankfully some of them are waking up. But this is a problem for Elon Musk because little by little, the people that he won over by buying Twitter under the pretense of protecting free speech are now starting to turn on him little by little, more and more over time. But lucky for him, even if his Tradcon fans abandon him, he has managed to ingratiate himself with online conspiracy theorists because he himself is pretty conspiratorial. For example, he went on a George Soros tweet storm after the billionaire sold his Tesla stock, saying that Soros reminds him of X-Men villain Magneto and adding, quote, he wants to erode the very fabric of civilization. Soros hates humanity. But to be fair, it's not the first time that he attacked Soros, but this is an anti-Semitic dog whistle that right-wingers have been using to promote this trope that Jewish people control everything. And Soros has basically become a synonym for all Jewish people. I mean, there are thousands of wealthy donors that buy off politicians and corrupt the political process, and they buy off Democrats and Republicans, and that's all that unequivocally. I think that elections should be publicly financed so that way wealthy donors don't have this ability to corrupt parties. But this isn't a robust conversation that people like Elon Musk are having. They're never discussing the broader issues surrounding campaign finance and money in politics, but they will bring up George Soros and pretend as if him alone is the cause of all of corruption in DC politics, when that's a little bit bizarre, right? He is a small problem. He's a microcosm of a broader issue, but yet you hyperfixate on this one person who happens to be Jewish. Hmm, maybe they don't actually care about our corrupt campaign finance system. Maybe they're just anti-Semitic. And it seems as if George Soros is a mere conduit for their anti-Semitism. And Elon Musk is appealing to them with these types of tweets, either wittingly or unwittingly. But this isn't the only conspiracy theory that Elon Musk has fallen for. He was intrigued by conspiracy mongering over the Las Vegas shooting and the Allen, Texas mall shooting. And he also thought that an article supposing that the media was covering up black on white crime was interesting and not to mention his conspiracy mongering about the attack on Paul Pelosi. I mean, as one Twitter user put it, it really does reveal a lot about Musk's true intellect that despite sitting atop the biggest pile of money in existence, he falls down the same dumb rabbit holes as your dipshit Facebook uncle who got caught having sex with the tailpipe of, of his 1974 GTO. And that is such a good observation because you can understand how a lonely, impoverished, working class person might fall victim to online conspiracy theories. They're desperate. They want to know why economically they're suffering. So they look for answers in all the wrong places. And as a result, they may end up finding some conspiracy community online and getting radicalized by that. That's their excuse. But what's Elon Musk's excuse? 
he's a conspiracist when he may allegedly be part of real conspiracies that actually exist that we should all care about. For example, as HuffPost reports, the government of the U.S. Virgin Islands is trying to subpoena billionaire Elon Musk for documents in its lawsuit seeking to hold J.P. Morgan Chase liable for sex trafficking acts committed by businessman Jeffrey Epstein. Now, while Musk hasn't been accused of wrongdoing over the years, they continue, there had been unconfirmed speculation encouraged by Epstein himself that Epstein had advised Musk on certain business matters. The Virgin Islands, where Epstein had an estate, sued J.P. Morgan last year, saying its investigation has revealed that the financial services giant enabled Epstein's recruiters to pay victims and was indispensable to the operation and concealment of the Epstein trafficking enterprise. They continue, lawyers for the Virgin Islands said they hired an investigative firm to research public records databases for possible addresses for Musk and reached out to one of his lawyers by email, but received no response. Hmm. Very curious. Now, the specific documents in question are possible receipts for transaction fees that Musk might have paid to Epstein or J.P. Morgan and communications between the both of them back and forth. But the point that I'm making in bringing this up, aside from just wanting to talk about this because I find it interesting, is that Elon Musk is possibly linked, although there's no allegations of wrongdoing, sexually speaking, to one of the most notorious sex traffickers in the world who claimed to have dirt on lots of powerful people. And that alone is a very valid reason to be skeptical of all elites because they use their wealth to abuse power and abuse people. And there's ample evidence for that. It's a real conspiracy. You don't have to make things up. It's right there in the open. But what's weird is that people like Elon Musk, they can connect the dots when it comes to someone like George Soros, but they can't connect the dots to other elites. And Elon Musk's fans can't connect the dots between him and the real conspiracies that exist with wealthy people. But Elon Musk is an elite. So for him to buy into these weird anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, it just doesn't make sense. It's bizarre, right? But what is crystal clear is that most people by now with a brain can acknowledge that Elon Musk is a complete fucking imbecile and he turned Twitter into a swampy shithole, but at least him hemorrhaging credibility with his own right-wing sycophants is satisfying to watch. It's just a joke. And I, um, I don't know what else to say about Elon Musk. He keeps taking L after L, but that's going to happen if you have no real principles and no integrity and you're just trying to ingratiate yourself with far right people. They will be, they will never be satisfied unless you fully capitulate, but he doesn't realize that. And, um, at the end of the day, he's still a businessman and that does conflict with his support for free speech. So yeah, not very principled after all, are we, Elon? The situation regarding Dianne Feinstein is somehow getting even more ridiculous. And I'm sorry, but Democrats have handled this in the most irresponsible, if not cruel way imaginable. It's to the point where I don't think most of us even realized how bad she's gotten. I mean, sure, there have been reports here and there about how she's losing her mental faculties, but like it's beyond the time for them to step in and I don't know, maybe have a conversation with her family because she's very clearly incapable of making a decision about her necessary retirement on her own volition. So it's time for action to be taken because this is just, 
This is too much. For example, Mark Joseph Stern of Slade shared this encounter that his colleague had with Feinstein. And I mean, this just really tells you everything that you need to know about the gravity of the situation. So the reporter asked her what the response from her colleagues has been since she uh, has returned. And she responded by telling him, no, I haven't been gone. And she added, you should follow the I haven't been gone. I've been working. Now, the reporter was nice and he followed up trying to ask if maybe she meant that she was working at home, but she apparently got feisty with him and she said, no, I've been here. I've been voting, she said. Quote, please, you either know or don't know. She's literally arguing with reporters about her absence. She just returned like a week ago. What are we doing? What are we doing, folks? I mean, at least it's good to know that as she becomes increasingly senile, that she hasn't lost her typical condescending attitude. But I mean, this is not someone who's fit to serve. I, I feel like this is pretty obvious. Do we have to state the obvious? Why are there not more calls for her to resign from fellow Democrats? She's very clearly mentally incapable of doing the job. I feel like that's obvious to anyone with a brain. And as Mehdi Hassan put it, quote, if you're a Democratic senator and you're not at least privately urging Feinstein to resign and urging Schumer and Durbin to take action, you have failed the people who sent you to Congress. You're lying to yourselves that this is OK. And he's absolutely correct about that. But I feel like the situation has deteriorated to the point where you can't really even have this conversation with her. Like, I don't know that she is capable of making a decision decision about her own retirement. That's how bad it's gotten. Democrats have to talk to her family, specifically the person with power of attorney, and have them step in because this isn't acceptable. It's almost cruel. Like it feels like elder abuse to keep her in that position. And I'm no fan of Diane Feinstein. I hate Diane Feinstein to be clear, but to see her in this position when she very clearly isn't capable of performing the duties of this job, it's just it's so unacceptable. And the fact that Senate Democrats and her family let it get this bad is really an indictment on their judgment as well, because there's been reports that she hasn't been in a competent state of mind for a while now. HuffPost reports an unnamed Senate staffer recalled the senator welcoming Senator Tim Scott to the chamber, apparently confusing him with Senator Raphael Warnock, who had just won his seat in a special election. Both Scott, who joined the Senate in 2013, and Warnock are black. Now, Tim Scott, apparently, uh, he played along, but that was one of many, many signs that she was losing control of her mental faculties. HuffPost continues, a 2022 story from the San Francisco Chronicle cited an anonymous Democratic senator who said it's bad and it's getting worse. A subsequent New York Times report quoted lawmakers and aides who said Feinstein sometimes struggles to recall the names of colleagues and frequently has little recollection of meetings or telephone conversations and at times walks around in a state of befuddlement. Before that, Feinstein worried colleagues when she asked the same question twice during a November 17th, 2020 Senate Judiciary Committee hearing with Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey. So needless to say, this is something that has been going on now for a very long time. And look, I understand it is very uncomfortable to vocalize your concerns with a family member or even a colleague who's going through this, right? But this is something that many, many families have to go through if they have a family member live to be that old. Like sometimes you have to set them aside, sit them down and tell them it's no longer safe for you to drive. It's no longer safe for you to live alone. And Democrats or one of her family members should have sat her down when she started to deteriorate and say, listen, listen we're going to have to make a decision really soon here about your job here. You're going to have to retire. 
Um, this is something that we have to do, unfortunately. I know that you still want to keep working, but it's getting bad. But no one had this conversation with her. No one had the talk with Dianne Feinstein about her needing to retire. But the difference here, though, is that Dianne Feinstein is no ordinary elderly person. She holds an immense amount of power, and her inability to perform her obligations as a U.S. Senator on the Senate Judiciary Committee, that affects all of us, not just her and her family. That affects every single one of us. For example, Republicans predictably blocked Democrats from naming a temporary replacement while she was gone, and as a result, multiple judicial nominees from Biden were not confirmed until she she physically returned and cast votes, allowing their confirmations to move forward. But I mean, how long until she's absent again? How long until the Democratic Party leadership intervenes? I mean, if they haven't by now, they're honestly probably not going to do anything about this. They're just going to let her be there, even if she isn't capable of functioning in that position. And I want to be very clear about a couple of things here. First and foremost, this isn't about her age. This is about her capabilities. Most politicians are extremely old. She's not the only 80-year-old senator. But the difference is that when you lose your ability to perform your duties as a senator on powerful committees, that's where the problem exists. Second of all, can we stop coddling Dianne Feinstein and not pretend as if she has some amazing legacy that we need to protect. I mean, the woman is a hundred millionaire oligarch who basically told kids concerned about climate change to fuck off. She also notoriously during a 2017 town hall told her constituents that she refused to support Medicare for all, even though they begged her, which means that effectively she's fine with the peasants dying if they can't afford health care. And I'm sure that the tens of thousands of dollars that she took from the health industry has something to do with that position. But basically she took that position. She decided that health should not be a right in this country as she is receiving the best care imaginable. But yet, she's being coddled by millions of liberal sycophants who want to protect her legacy as if there's some good legacy there to protect. This is a center-right politician who oftentimes collaborates with Republicans. She's a bad person and a shitty senator with a terrible legacy. And honestly, she can't retire soon enough, in my opinion. Like, she should have retired back in 2018. But the fact that she is still not retiring. I mean, at this point, it's past the area where it's it's in her control, right? Like, this isn't like, oh, Diane Feinstein, you should retire. She doesn't know where she is. It's time for her family and Democrats to step in. So since she cannot make the decision for herself, Democrats need to do their due diligence, do their job, talk to her family, and they need to get her to resign because she can't make that decision by herself. And it's just, it's getting ridiculous. Like it's its past the point where this is cruel. It's past the point where this is absurd. She shouldn't be there. And the fact that she's still there tells you that the Democratic Party isn't serious about protecting all of our rights under attack by the Republican Party. Want more? Visit humanistreport.com for links to our full catalog of videos on YouTube, Means TV, and Facebook. You can also find audio versions of the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast platforms. And before you go, consider supporting the show on Patreon or through YouTube memberships. You get early access to most videos, invites to monthly live chats with Mike, and you'll be thanked by name at the start of the next episode. There are other ways to support the show. You can like, subscribe, turn on notifications, and share our content on social media. Thank you for watching.